You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good morning, Kensington. They're having way too much fun up here. We haven't even gotten started yet. Good morning. So good to see your faces. Those of you who are at home, it's so good to know that you're there. So glad you're with us. So last week we had a great week, and we spent time together, and we realized how much we need one another and we realize how much we need community. And God's answer for the need for community is to give us the family. In this broken world, we don't all come from families that are life-giving, and so God gives us another gift called the Church of Jesus Christ, the household of God. We are family in Christ. Give me a favor, turn to someone real quick and say, we are family. We are family. Those of you at home, we are family. And so that's God's gift to us, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about that even more today. And as we get started, we recognize, and Scripture says that wherever two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus, Scripture says that Jesus is with us. It's a mysterious thing, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, we become aware of His presence, of His joy, of His victory, of His freedom. We get to celebrate that today together in community. So if you're able to, would you stand with me? And we're going to celebrate that there is joy in the household of the Lord, the house of God. Let's do this together. So let's put our hands together, okay, guys? Let's get in unity here. All right, come on, keep them going, keep them going. Accepted, redeemed by His 
You guys can have a seat for a minute. We're so glad you're here with us today. If we haven't met yet, I'm Adam Karshner, lead pastor at the Clinton Township campus. I've only been on staff for a few months, so let me introduce myself. I've been married to my wife, April, for 10 years. We have five children that age and range three to eight, and I've been a pastor for about three years. We used to have some hobbies before all those kids, but now if we get a date night out eating new food, it's a pretty great evening for us. And I'm really grateful and excited to be part of the Kensington community. Before we continue with the final week of our series on Moses, A Journey to Remember, I want to let you know about a couple of things happening soon. First, we have a free faith and family online event for parents of elementary students. It's called Big Feelings, and we'll be hearing from experts about helping our elementary students through anxiety and fear. As parents, we've already worried about how the upheaval of school rhythms and isolation has been affecting our kids. And now we've added the stress and fear of processing the communal trauma of Oxford. Childhood experts have shared how tragedies like this have been a source of isolation for local elementary kids. They hear their parents whispering and talking about safety, and then they hear confusing half-truths from their classmates. So how do we create a sense of normalcy and safety for our young children, while also inviting them to share their own feelings and fears? We'd like to invite you to join us January 27th at 8.30 p.m. for a virtual event on Facebook, or you can go to kensingtonchurch.org slash faith and family as clinical therapists and Kensington attenders, Supriya C., Emily Skinner, and Brian Holt, a longtime therapist from Oxford, share how we can support our elementary age children. This is also a great event to invite your friends and neighbor to who are struggling with these things as well. Second is our new series, The Power of a Story. What do you think of when you hear the phrase, once upon a time? Maybe it's the tortoise and the hare, or the boy who cried wolf, or my personal favorite, the princess bride. But do you know who was one of the best storytellers? It was Jesus himself. The stories that Jesus told were known as parables, and they make up about 30% of his teachings. One of the reasons Jesus told so many stories is that they are more interesting. 
This is why at bedtime, children don't ask their parents, Mom, Dad, would you please sit down and share some facts with me? No, they ask Mom and Dad, would you tell me a story? However, the reason Jesus told parables wasn't to entertain his audience, but rather it was to teach and to provoke thought and to help people see things in a new way. We'd like you to join us January 30th as we look at what it means to build your life on a strong foundation, the power of forgiveness, the meaning of prayer, and what is truly valuable to God. It's going to be an amazing time together as we experience the power of the story. Now let's go ahead and return to our service. We're excited to wrap up this series and learn more from long ago, the journey of the Israelites to the promised land and what it can teach us about ourselves today and who God is. Hey, good morning, Kensington. How are you guys all doing? Fantastic. For those of you in the room, so glad that you made it here all safely. I'm assuming the roads are okay at this point, yes? No, no, it's okay. So whatever town you live in, I'm glad our tax money is going to great, great use. But hey, regardless, so glad that you all are here. For those of you who are watching via stream, whatever campus you call home, you are with us at the Troy campus today, and we are so glad that you are and grateful that we can be together in this way. And so there is so much going on right now, but as Adam mentioned at the end, next week we are kicking off a brand new series called The Power of a Story, and we're gonna be looking at these stories that Jesus told in the Gospels. And so Adam, Danny, and a number of other teachers have been instrumental in just really crafting this series. So we'd love for you to come back next week, whether it's here in person or whether you're gonna be joining us via stream. And so another opportunity that we have going on right now is the opportunity to jump into community. And one of the things that I am keenly aware of for the, in regards to the month of July is that it is considered to be one of the loneliest months of the year. And of course, it's because it's cold outside, there's snow, and there's sometimes not a whole lot to do. And so one of the things that we need right now that so many of us, including myself, we need is community and we need to be doing life alongside of other people. And right now is a great opportunity if you do not have those people around you to begin forming those relationships. And we have so many groups across all of our Kensington campuses to jump in. But today we wanted to highlight two. And so Tanya and Mike and Yvette, I'd love for you guys to come up. And as they come up, because they're going to be coming from right over there, can we give them a huge hand, everyone? And they just recently, Tanya and Mike as well as Yvette, they just recently started two brand new groups. And so this is two groups among so many. And so we wanted to provide them with an opportunity to share a little bit of their heart, what their group is doing. And if you're interested, you can jump in to one of their groups or another group as well. So Tanya and Mike, thank you guys. And Yvette, thank you so much for being here. And I was just thinking about this right before I actually got up. And I was like, this is the second week in a row that you've been on stage. And then you did the brick thing last week and here you are. And so, but I'd love for you guys to share about your group that just, I, I, did it kick off already? So we were meeting through the summer, oh, and great. then okay. um, we're going to kind of relaunch in March when we can do some stuff Fantastic. outside and get, um, we've got three families right now, actually a fourth possibly, so um, we're looking to kind of get a few more families. And That's do fantastic. That. So tell us more about it. Like, yeah. What is it for? Um, so I'll just give a little introduction. So I'm Tanya, and this is Mike. Um, we've got two daughters. Sarah is two and a half, and um, Ava's almost one, and um, we actually met years ago in a Kensington small group. 
And um, we just know what an integral part that was to our faith journey and then also just doing life in community with other believers. And um, we really just want to continue that on um, with our family as well. And so Michael, share a little bit more about the group. Yes, so um, so talk. So when we start, first started this group, you know, we talked about, you know, what is the purpose of this group? What is our intention? And, you know, we came, came up with uh, three things. One, we want to do parenting together with other, with other people. Um, so like Tanya said, we have two other families, maybe another one, and, you know, we don't know how to parent everything. Um, if you do know how to parent everything, I would love to talk to you for like 15 <laughs> to 20 hours. Um, so, yeah, that's... You know, it's to help each other out. Another thing is, you know, we want to draw our kids closer to God. Um, I think it's a desire of every believer's parents that, they, you know, you want your kids to be believers. Now, obviously, uh, we can't force that on them, and, you know, the kids have to make their own choice, but we believe, you know, they see the parents do small group, you know, study about God, that that can help a lot. So that's why we, in our small group, we encourage, you know, the kids to come during the group. Another thing is not only to draw kids to God, but also each other to God. Um, you know, as much as God cares about families, he also looks at, us, looks at us as individuals first. So, you know, we learn from one another. We learn from each other's journeys and, you know, faults and triumphs. So just all that. So just looking forward to what God has in store for us. Appreciate you guys. And Yvette, your group is focused on fitness. And so we'd love for you to share a little bit more about that. Hi, um, my name is Yvette, and this came about because, especially with the pandemic, I felt like, I'm not sure if other ladies can certainly um, relate to this, is I felt like everything was so fragmented. Uh, yeah, I was, I want to go to church, and then there's fitness, and then there's all these things, and I just felt really just fragmented. So here I am, and I decide, I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Oh my gosh, um, of how can we dovetail those aspects of you know, living, experiencing, and embodying, you know, fitness and as, as our body temple and in a really, really wholesome and integrative way so that we can integrate those aspects and we can integrate God, we can integrate fitness, we can integrate um, the word. We'll, um, we'll be using some of the material from Christine Kane. And the first um, series will be called Focus. So there'll be a fitness component, there'll be a Bible study component. We can do this in community, which is, I believe, what we were intended to do it as. So if you feel a nudge and that is remotely interesting to you, ladies, I encourage you and invite you uh, to come um, to come out and join us. And it starts Tuesday the 25th. Awesome. Thank you both. Thank you all. Can we give them a huge hand? Thank you, guys. So whether it's parenting, whether it's fitness, whether it's something completely different, we have so many groups for you. And so you can go to our app or you can go to our website and all of it, all the information is there. You can sign up as well. Or for those of us here in the building today, just go out to the lobby and you probably saw all of those tables when you walked in and you can drop by any of those tables and ask questions and jump in as well. And so today, we're in the fourth week of our series, A Journey to Remember, and we're going to be wrapping things up today, and we're looking at this journey that the Israelites took. And I'm really excited about today because we're going to be, really today, if you were here last week, today is really part two of that message. And so in a few moments, we're going to take in a song that really speaks to where we're headed today. But before we actually do that, I want to invite those of us in the room, as well as those who are watching via stream, just say hello to somebody next to you. So let's do that together.
It's a beautiful song, but it's also a powerful song because you hear the passion and you hear the desperation. And it's of a person who has had their eyes open to the needs of the people and the world around them, to the cries of the broken, the forgotten, the hopeless, the people who have been pushed to the margins. And this person, this person, he or she, they just can't simply sit around and do nothing anymore, but it compels them to move towards trying to meet these needs. And I love the lines in these, these two lines in the song that I was thinking about this past week. And it's where it says, I feel responsible now that I see, because we all were made for more than this more than this. And the more that I believe this song is talking about is more than just simply spending our whole lives chasing after our own comfort and our own happiness. More than just chasing after the next promotion or the better grades or the bigger house or the better retirement or vacation. Not that there's anything wrong with those things in and of themselves, but as human beings, we've been created in the image of God. We've been created for so much more. That is just simply too small of a vision for our lives because we were meant to live a life where we are continually giving ourselves away. And I love what one of our co-founders, Steve Andrews says about this. And I actually have these words written on a board in my office. And he says, you can have it all if you give it all away. And when you actually think about that, that's a very different way of seeing and living in this world. Because most people, they try to accumulate, 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 whether it's money, status, whether it's possessions, whether it's fame, and then try to hold on to it really, really tight. But how we've been created to live is like this, is that just as God has freely given to us, that we would freely give these things away as well. And today we're in the fourth week of our series, A Journey to Remember, where we've been looking at the journey of the Israelites from slavery in Egypt to the promised land of Canaan. And today, what we're gonna see is, is that the people of God, they experienced something truly extraordinary as they chose to give themselves away for something that was so much greater than themselves. So as we continue on, would you join me in prayer? So Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you have created us for a purpose that is more, Lord, than this world has to offer, God. Something that's even greater than that. And that when we actually choose to move towards that, Lord, that we are able to experience something that is so much greater than anything that can be found in this world. And so, Lord, we pray that as we dive into the scriptures today and into this story, that you would give us a greater glimpse of that purpose. And ultimately, Lord, that we would see you clearly, more clearly, and to be able to move towards you in a greater way. Thank you for this community, God. I'm grateful for every single person, whether they're here in person or watching on stream. Thank you, Lord. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen. And Erwin McManus, he is a pastor. He is an author, speaker. He's actually been here before. He was here years ago and he taught on this stage. And he is just a powerful, powerful leader. And in one of his books, The Last Arrow, he talks about a time where he and his wife were in Beirut and they were just minutes away from the border where ISIS was at war. And so it was such a dangerous and volatile situation that they were asked to fill out a series of proof of life forms. Has anyone ever filled out a proof of life form here? Okay, so nobody has, I haven't either, 
right? But the purpose of a proof of life form is to write down questions that only you and the people around you and the close, those people who are closest to you would know the answers to just in case you are taken hostage, Right, so that's the purpose of it. And Irwin knew that they wanted mundane pieces of information, like what was the nickname that your grandmother called you growing up? Pieces of information that you couldn't just Google someone and find them, find it on the internet. But as he was reading these forms, the question that kept going through his mind was, what are the proofs of my life? What am I doing that proves to the world around me that I'm not just simply existing, but truly living? And if we were to ask that question of the people who are the closest to us, how do you think they'd respond? Because what proves to the world that we are not just simply existing but truly living? What proves to the world that we're not just taking up space and sucking in air for this portion of human history, but we are truly living in the way that God has dreamed and destined for us to live? And when we say yes to following Jesus, he invites us on the greatest journey of our lives. And it's a journey that is characterized by amazement and joy and hope and peace and, and, and excitement that is beyond anything that can be found in this world. But at the same time, this journey, as many of us know, because if you have been following Jesus for more than a week, you understand this truth. This journey is not easy. And there is risk and uncertainty and struggle and fear involved in it, which is why so many people choose to sit back and watch it pass them by rather than jump in and engage. But the best life, the life that God has created, the life that he intends for us to live, involves not just sitting and watching, but actually jumping in and participating. And we see this in the very beginning of creation with the first human beings. And this is what we're told in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And it wasn't just Adam, but it was also Eve. And so what we see is that for the very first human beings, they were given the privilege to form and create this world. Because this world wasn't created in a fixed and final state, so we could just all hang out every single day by a pool, relaxing, or just watch football every day. Although there's nothing wrong with that, I feel like, especially during playoff time, right? So go 49ers if you caught that game, right? I've been a Niners fan for 30 years, and so finally there's some hope. But anyways, I digress. But ultimately... For us today, it's the same invitation in that God has invited us to, into the same journey, to co-create with him in this world. And so the work that he invites us into, it's not meant to be boring or meaningless or oppressive or burdensome, but rather it's meant to be fulfilling and freeing for us. That when we jump into the work that he has for us and jump in to the work of the community that he's operating in, it's actually meant to give us life. And this is what we're actually going to see with the story of the Israelites. And if you remember, when the Israelites, when they left Egypt, it wasn't, they weren't just a small group of people. It wasn't just like a handful of families. But some scholars estimate their population to have been as high as 2.3 million people. And if you can understand that, just to give us some perspective, that's almost four times the population of the city of Detroit. And when I hear that, can you imagine being Moses? Because he's the guy who had to lead them all. And can you imagine being on a road trip for four decades with two million other people? And I was thinking, I can barely manage being stuck in a car with my kids for 10 hours, right? And I have just three kids, right? 40 years, 
I don't know how he managed to maintain his sanity. And God did some extraordinary things through him. Parted a sea, brought water from a rock, and defeated massive armies. But at the same time, Moses was also the one who had to deal with all the complaining and the whining and the fighting and the grumbling. And you have been, if you have been on a road trip with children, I can imagine that was sort of what it was like at the time. I'm sure many, many people said, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And it was probably something like that. And all of this fell squarely upon Moses' shoulders. And I can imagine that there were points where he began to crack under the strain of leadership. And we're actually going to see an instance today. And he needed help. And luckily for him, thankfully for him, help came in the form of some incredible advice that he got from his father-in-law, Jethro. And Moses and Jethro, they hadn't seen each other in years. But Jethro had heard of the things that God had done. And so I guess Moses wasn't too far away. So Jethro went to go and meet Moses. And he stuck around for a little bit. Because the next day, I guess, was bring your father-in-law to work day because Jethro came and he tagged along with Moses. And this is what he saw. And it says, the next day, Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? And so this is what Jethro saw. Jethro saw a terrible system because Moses is doing all the work. He's doing all the work, whereas all of these people are literally standing around him all day doing absolutely nothing. And it was a terrible system that was not only dragging Moses down, but it was dragging the entire nation of Israel down. And can you imagine if our community operated like that? If we just stood around and Danny, who's our lead pastor, if he was the one who did everything and we're just standing back and thinking, you know what? It's like, good for you, right? And he's trying to do the music up here. He has to go back to the board over there to do sound and lights and somebody has to lead the kids. So he's running over there trying to answer questions at the hub, right? Where we're like, Danny, why are you so stressed out? Right? You need to relax a little bit. Can you imagine if that happened, how ridiculous and dysfunctional this community would be? But this is the thing with community. Community is never meant to be just one person doing it all. It's not even meant for just some people to do it all. If a community is going to function in the way that God dreamed and designed it to, it requires everyone. But for this community, the Israelites, that wasn't happening. And so Jethro sees this, and this is the advice that he gives to his son-in-law, Moses. And he tells him, what you're doing isn't good, right? So it's like, thank you, Captain Obvious, right? So he's, he basically points out that what you're doing isn't good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, 50s and 10s. So what Jethro was telling Moses if you, is, was that if you keep doing this, if you keep traveling down this road, if you try to keep on doing this whole Lone Ranger leader approach, you're going to burn out. And it is not going to be good for you. And it's not going to be good for your people. There is a better way. 
And if we give Moses the benefit of the doubt, maybe this guy was doing this because he didn't want to burden anyone else with, this, with the weight of this leadership because he understood it was heavy. Or maybe it was pride because he thought, you know what, I'm the best person for the job. Nobody else can do it, even though there were more than 2 million other people. And he was thinking, nobody else is as good as me. But whatever the reason was, this was happening. And the fact was, it wasn't sustainable. And we've said this in the past, but every single one of us, whether we're here in the room or whether we're watching on stream, all of us are leaders. We all have influence. And it may be we're leaders in the context of our home. It could be at work. It could be in school. It could be here in this church community. It may be in our neighborhoods. It may be with our family and friends. And sometimes as leaders, we buy into the lie that we should be able to do it all. We should be able to know it all, that we should be able to manage it all. And so we try. And your experience is probably the same as mine in that every single time that I've tried to do this and take everything into my own hands, it has been detrimental not only for me, but also the people who God has entrusted me to lead. And reading this passage this week, it reminded me of an illustration that Michael Spain used last week. And if you missed that service that Danny and Michael led, I encourage you, go to our YouTube channel, social media, website app, whatever works for you, and check it out because it was powerful. But one of the illustrations that Michael used was that when we feel exhausted, when we feel overwhelmed, that when we feel like we're absolutely being crushed, so often our response is, hey, you know what, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm okay. I can handle it. When clearly we can't. And this was the situation with the Israelites. And this is the thing. One of the greatest acts of leadership that we can do when we find ourselves in these positions, and not just when we're at the end of our rope, but also just in every day, one of the greatest acts of leadership is for us to empower and to set free the people who God has strategically and intentionally placed around us to do what he has destined and intended for them to do. Not to live like this and not to lead like this, but rather to do like this, to live and lead like this. And these people, they may be our children at home. They may be our coworkers, our colleagues at work. They may be our classmates. They may be other people in this community who we invite into this journey. But it's an incredible thing that when we actually do this, and what we see with these Israelites is that amongst the more than 2 million people, there were plenty of people who not only had the skills, the abilities, and the passion, but also the willingness to jump in. And so this is what Jethro was saying. Set people free. Don't just do it all by yourself. You're the bottleneck, Moses. And so this is what happens when we as leaders release people to do what God has designed and intended them to do. And Jethro calls it. This is what he writes. And this is what he says. He says, if you do this and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. We're gonna come back to that. And this is what happened. Moses listened to his father-in-law, thankfully, and did everything he said and that he chose capable men from all Israel and made them leaders of the people, officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They served as judges for the people at all times. The difficult cases they brought to Moses, but the simple ones... They decided themselves. And so what he says is, is that he tells his son Moses, he gives him a leadership lesson. And he says, this is what you do. 
This is what will happen if you choose to let other people do what they're supposed to do. Not only will you be able to stand the strain, so you will not burn out. You won't get bitter. You won't get cynical. But at the same time, he says that, you know, the people around you, they will go home satisfied. And that word, satisfied, is the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom is completeness. It means fullness. It means delight. It's life in the way that God has created us to live. It's the best life we can ever imagine living. And Jethro was saying is that when you set people free to do what God has designed and intended them to do, this is what they are able to experience. And that is an incredibly powerful and convicting thought. Because when as leaders, we do not get out of the way, this is what we are preventing our people from experiencing in their lives. God's shalom, greater fullness, greater completeness, greater wholeness. But at the same time, you can also flip it and look at it another way. In that when there are opportunities, when God presents us with opportunities to use our abilities, our skills, our passions in his community, that he is working in and through. And we just look at these opportunities and we just say, thanks, but no thanks, God. This is what we're missing out on as well. And God's plan has always been the same. And that he has invited, he's always invited human beings to roll up their sleeves, just as we see in the very beginning in the book of Genesis, at the beginning of creation. He's always invited human beings to roll up their sleeves and to jump in and get to work. Whether it be at the very beginning or the Israelites on their journey or today. The invitation from God has never been, hey, you know what? I'm doing all these incredible things in the, my community. Just watch and wait, right? You don't have to get involved. Don't worry about it. Just sit on the sidelines and you can sit there and just be there. No, his invitation has always been, wade in and engage in what I am doing in and through my community. And so many of you have done exactly that, have said yes to that. And I got another glimpse of that this past Friday. And that this past Friday at our Orient campus, what happened there was the first annual Hope Water Project Gala. And if you're not familiar with Hope Water Project, it's, it's uh, really um, a group within, a ministry within Kensington, that, whose goal is to provide clean water for the Pokot people in Western Kenya. And this past Friday, because of your generosity, we were able to raise more than $100,000. And what that means is, is that five new wells will be going in, which means thousands of people will now be able to get clean water. When you think about it, that is truly extraordinary. And this is the thing with clean water, that this is the reason why I get so excited about Kenya. I'm gonna be leading a team out there in May. But the thing with clean water is, is that it not only results in a physical transformation, but it opens up doors to then share the life-transforming message of Jesus. And so it's not just about clean water, but it's about life transformation and a message that is able to transform not just individual lives, but families and legacies and eternities forever. And it's incredible. And it's because people, so many of you, decided to jump in, whether it was this past Friday, whether it's been years in the past running or whatever it may be. And so I have seen so many of you choose to live like this with the resources that God has given you. And when we actually choose to do this, powerful things are able to happen because God works in and through this community. And so what we also wanted to do right now is we also wanted to receive our offering. 
And so if you would like to give, whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching on stream, there are a number of ways that we can do so. And they're going to come up on the side screens. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977, and then you can follow the prompts. You can also go to our website or our app and give there. For those, or you can also send in a check to our physical location here. And for those of us here in the room, we also have offering boxes at every entrance and every exit. And we want to say thank you for your generosity. And so... What we see in this story is that God is inviting his people. He's saying, hey, jump in. This is what you can experience. And we also see this image play out in the New Testament as well with the Apostle Paul. Because one of the images that Paul gives us of the church is of a physical body. And this is what he tells us. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And I remember growing up, I read this in church, and it was sort of a little bit disturbing to me as a kid, because I was thinking about, imagine, right, if we were just like one big eye, and I was just thinking about one big eye, just there, just looking around. But that's the picture, right? It's like, what if we were just one big eye? And we had no hands. Imagine if we were just one massive head with no feet. And that's the picture that he gives us. We wouldn't be very effective. And that's why we need everyone. And Western culture, which of course American culture is, it highly, highly values individualism. And that individualism is seen as a strength of sign, as as a sign of strength and maturity. And so when we come to this place in our life where we can do it by ourselves and we don't need other people, that's sort of like, hey, we've made it. And I see this with my children as well. Because if you have kids, you probably heard them say, hey, you know what, mom or dad, I can do it by myself. Right? We've all heard it. We have said it. And when it comes to individualism, of course there are strengths. But at the same time, there are big weaknesses as well. But when it comes to the church, this is not how God has designed his church to function. He hasn't created us to be independent, but rather interdependent. For us as human beings, as people, to come together and to work in harmony and unity for a very specific and focused purpose. And over the years, I've had a number of conversations with people who have said, hey, you know what? I don't need anybody else. Right? It's just between me and God. Just me and God. Right? It doesn't matter about anybody else. I can do this as long as it's just me and God. And every single time I have had that conversation, it always breaks my heart. Because I understand that that is a lose-lose mentality. Because not only will that person lose out, because that person will lose out on not being a part of a community, on experiencing the beauty, but also the growth that can happen. Because you and I know Because we have all been a part of communities. There's no community out there that is perfect. And if you find a perfect community, please come, run, and let me know because I want to go and join that community too. 
But there's no such thing as a perfect community. And when we jump into community, of course, there's beautiful things, but at the same time, there's brokenness as well. And when we rub up against people, it ends up doing this and there are sparks. But as we continue to lean in, as we continue to forgive, as we continue to communicate and work things out, there is growth that happens. There's growth in the discomfort and in the conflict. And when we say, we don't need anybody else, I'm just gonna do it myself, we miss out on all of that. But at the same time, the community misses out as well because every single one of us, we have talents, we have gifts, we have passions, and we bring something to the table. And so when one part of the body, when one part of the community is missing, the people that we're able to reach, the work that we're able to accomplish becomes limited and less effective. And recently, I was having a conversation with my wife, Robin, and I was complaining about the Korean and the Korean American church. And I grew up in the Korean church, worked in the Korean church for a number of years. And so, and just like this community and just like every other community, it has its warts and it has its faults and its weaknesses as well. And so I was starting to complain and Robin interjected very, very quickly and she reminded me of its beauty and the contribution of the Korean church to the body of Christ. And she shared with me the things that the Korean church has taught her and shown, showed her about really about who God is and the heart of God. And our conversation, it reminded me of a picture that an author and speaker named Eugene Cho posted probably about two years ago. And it was this picture. And this is a picture of a prayer meeting of a Korean church out on the West Coast. And it's not 2 p.m., it's not 5 p.m., it's not 8 p.m. It is 4.51 a.m. when that picture was taken. And what he wrote was, it's 4.51 a.m. and there are about 2,000 people here ready to worship and pray. And if you know anything about Korean churches, this is not unique to that church. This wasn't just like this once a year meeting where all these people came and they were like, hey, come, 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 because this guy is going to be there no, this happens on a regular basis. And maybe that 2,000 number may be unique because it is a larger church community. But if you have ever been to a Korean church and if you've ever been to a prayer meeting in a Korean church, you understand that those times are loud, they are passionate, and people come excited to pray because they understand the power of prayer, how it has transformed not only their lives, the lives of their family, but also the lives of a nation, the life of a nation. And it's incredible. And so that's one of the things that Robin reminded me of, right? Because when you think about prayer meetings in most churches in this country, that these are the least attended meetings by none, right? Because not many people, prayer isn't necessarily fun. It's not really exciting. It's hard work. But yet she reminded me, you know what? That's one of the things that the Korean church has taught me. It's taught me about the power of prayer and how to come before God in this way and the privilege of communicating with God. And in the body of Christ, for some of us, we may be a hand. For others of us, we may be a kidney. For others of us, we may have the privilege of being a butt cheek, right? And if you are a butt cheek, it is great because that means that you are faithful, that you are reliable, and that you are strong and probably firm, right? <laughs> but this is the thing, right? In the body of Christ, we all bring something. We all have a contribution. We all bring something to the table. And just looking out at all of you, one of the people that I see is Norm. 
right over here. And I told you, Norm, I was going to point you out. I was going to call you out, right? But this man, Norm, he is one of our amazing K-Kids leaders. And if you've ever met him, you understand that he has this infectious joy and he has a passion for the next generation. And he is the reason why my son, Isaiah, who's eight years old, he, he says to us, you know what? I have to come to the 9 a.m. service because I have to be in Mr. Norm's group. And there are so many other people as well. I was thinking right before this service, we gather together, all of our volunteers, leaders, and our staff, we gather together out in the lobby to pray. And two of the people who weren't there were Steve and Hara, who so often are outside, they do parking. And when you drive in, you probably see them. And they're out there on days like today when it's like, who knows what degree it is, but it's snowing and it's hard. Nobody wants to be out there. They're out there when it's like 100 plus degrees and they're just sweating like crazy. And what I see in them is a servant heart that is unlike very few. And it just reminds me, wow, I see Jesus in you. And there are so many people, just even looking out right now, I see person after person after person. And I think that if you chose not to jump in, if you chose not to jump into the life of this community with the skills and the abilities that God has given you, this community would not be what it is. Because it doesn't just take one person. It doesn't just take some people. If we, but if we are going to be the community that God has dreamed and destined for us to be, it requires everyone. Not just some people to say, hey, you know what? I'm just gonna sit back and watch all of these other people do the work. But rather, I'm gonna jump in and I'm gonna be a part of this as well. And the very first time that I jumped in and volunteered was in my sophomore year of college. And it was at my home church that I grew up in. And it was in the student ministry. And going in, I was, frankly, I was just afraid. And I was really, really nervous because I had never volunteered, never led, never taught anything or anyone before. Definitely not in a context like that. But I was a part of that student ministry community for three years. And those three years were some of the most impactful and formative years of my life. And let me tell you, I gave a ton to those students in terms of time, finances, other resources. As a youth group, we would meet on Friday nights. And then afterwards, we would hang out for hours. And then on Saturdays, we would hang out. On Sundays, we would come to church in the morning. And basically, we would be at church the whole day. Then afterwards, we would hang out some more. And so basically, if I wasn't studying or working, I was with them, investing into them. But this is what I discovered that no matter how much I gave, that God always gave me more. In that those students, so many of those students and those leaders became some of my closest friends and still 20 years later, we are still connected. During those three years, God showed me more of his heart, not only for me, but also for the world. And it launched me out on a very, very different path. But at the same time, something else that I was able to see and what happened in my life was that God unlocked passions and desires in me that I didn't even realize I had. And maybe for some of you, you're like me in that what is preventing you and maybe holding you back from jumping in is that you've never really led or volunteered or been a part of a community like this, a church community. And you didn't grow up in the church and you showed up and you're like, what is this church thing all about? And you're nervous and apprehensive, maybe even afraid. And let me say this to you, that if you choose to jump in, if you choose to explore, that you will not be alone and others will walk alongside of you. And on the course of that journey, you will meet some incredible, incredible people. Maybe still for others of you, you look at this place and you're like, where do I even start? 
This place seems so big and there are so many options. And if that is you and you're here in the room, go out to the lobby afterwards. We'd love to have a conversation with you and make this big place, this seemingly big place, a lot smaller. Or if you're watching on stream, go to our app, go to our website, drop a comment in the chat, and we'd love to connect with you and be able to have a conversation and direct you to the proper place. Maybe still for others of you, this place has hurt you. And maybe you did jump in, but you got hurt. Maybe you felt taken advantage of. Maybe it was something else. And so you felt like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And unfortunately, that is the case. That happens. Because as I've been talking about, this place is not a perfect community. We have our warts. We have our weaknesses. We are broken. And if that is you, I am sorry that that is what you experienced. And of course, if you need time to just take a breath, that is completely understandable. But at the same time, my hope for you is, is that that would not be the end of your story because I truly believe that God wants to redeem your experience, whether that happened here or maybe that happened in another church community, that he wants to redeem your experience and he wants to use you not only to impact this community, but so that we can together move out and impact the world. And so there are so many opportunities that we have. It could be a small group, like the Durs we're talking about, Yvette's, we have business networking communities, whatever it may be. We have courses, we have care groups, opportunities to lead ministries and opportunities to be a part of move out teams that impact not only our local community, but our global community. There are so many ways to jump in. And our invitation to you today, and I truly believe that God's invitation to you today is for all of us to just simply take that next step, to have the conversation, to say, yes, I want to explore. But this is what I want to end with today because this is the ultimate reason why this invitation that we are inviting you to jump in. And these are the words of the apostle Peter. And he tells us, like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. Whoever speaks must do so as one speaking the very words of God. Whoever serves must do so with the strength that God supplies so that God may be glorified in all things through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the power forever and ever. The ultimate reason why we are invited to jump in and to use the things, the resources that God has given us isn't so that we'll be happier, that we'll be more satisfied or whatever it is. Although that's really good. We talked about a lot of those things today. But the ultimate reason where it all boils down to is so that God would be glorified. And what it means to glorify God, because that's a huge concept. In this context, what it means is so that other people through our lives and through our community would have a proper opinion of who he is. That as we jump in and as we seek to love one another, serve not only one another within these walls, but outside of these walls as well. That people would see us and how we love and how we serve and how we forgive and they would ultimately connect the dots to God. And they, through us, that they would see him. Because it's not any of us who can change anybody's life, but it's ultimately God through us. This message of what Jesus did on the cross, how he died and then was raised from the dead. And we are set free. That is the message so that people would see that through us. But it takes not just one of us. It takes us, some of us to come together, but it takes every single one of us. And so if you have been sitting on the sidelines, if you have been watching and waiting for months, maybe for years, today, 
I believe that God is saying, wade in, engage, take that next step. And we would love for you to be a part of this because as we're gonna sing, together, God desires us to build his church together. So would you join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you care so deeply for us. Thank you for the way that you have created us, not only as individuals, but as a community, God, and that you have given every single person here and watching on stream so many skills and passions and gifts, God, that you desire for us to use, not, not just as individuals, but together as a community, together as the Big C Church to transform this world. Thank you, Lord, that you desire for us not to do life alone, but together, God. And so, Lord, I pray for whoever it is and wherever we are right now, that, Lord, that if we are feeling that nudge, that you would give us the courage to take that next step. Whether it's going out to the lobby, whether it's looking at the app or the website, whatever it may be, having the conversation, that you would give us the courage to take that next step. And ultimately, Lord, so that we would be able to build your church and so that you would be glorified. And we pray these things in your son's name.
we sing out a prayer like that, when we say build your church, sometimes because of our culture, we can get in our mind, when we say build your church, we can get in our mind maybe a, a white building with a steeple on top of a hill or a cathedral with stained glass windows or a modern performing arts center like, like this one is. But when we look at the pages of, pages of scripture, it's not talking about buildings at all. It's talking about everything that Andrew just said. In fact, the word that's translated church in the New Testament comes from a Greek word. That Greek word is ekklesia, and it literally means a community. Like everything Andrew just said, a community of people, a gathering of people, but not just any gathering of people. It's a gathering of people that have been called out of something. Literally, the word ekklesia means a group of people that have been called out of something. And we've been into this journey through the life of Moses. So I wanna bring us all the way back to the beginning as we end our time today. And talk about what the Israelites were called out of. They were called out of Egypt. They were called out of bondage. And to become the church of Jesus Christ, to become who we are as a community, we've been called out of some stuff. We've been called out of darkness, called out of bondage, called out of sin and into what scripture says is his glorious light. So we get to experience that victory because of what Jesus has done together as a community. We get to experience that God is the God who fights for us, who's calling us out of something and into something else, calling us out of darkness and into light. So I wanna just end this time together by, if you, if you guys can, would you stand with me? And I just wanna declare this. So you're the God who fights for me. Lord of every victory, hallelujah, hallelujah. You have torn apart the sea, you have led me through the deep, hallelujah, hallelujah. I won't forget.
What a great way to end today. Hey, just as a reminder, as we all leave and as we turn off our televisions or our devices today, hey, great opportunity to jump in. For those of us in the room, stop by the lobby, go to the website, go to the app. Also, for those of us here in the room, if anyone would like to receive prayer, our prayer team will be down front. But thanks so much for being here, everyone. Drive safe. Have a great rest of your weekend. You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.